Okay, uh, we're going to get started on a new series today, a new series called The Truth Hurts. Ugh, what, what a weird title, okay? Truth Hurts. And we want to take a look at some of the things that Jesus said that were a little more challenging. Jesus had, unbel- I mean, the guy was so full of love and compassion and grace. I mean, you just couldn't escape some of the beautiful things that he said and did. But then he also just had some things that were like, ooh, ouch. What does he mean by that? How could, how could somebody say that? Like, there's, have you, for those of you who have read some of the New Testament, you've seen some of those things that Jesus said that are like head scratchers. Oh my gosh, where did that come from kind of thing? We're going to look at those. Because we think that some of those things, some of the hardest things that Jesus said, actually have the most potential to change who we are. And so the goal of these next five weeks are that we come out the other end a little bit different people, or maybe a lot bit different people, because of the words that Jesus said and how we might allow God to shape us when we let those words into our soul. Uh, here's what I'm going to do. To start us off, I want to have you play a little game. I want you to imagine yourself at age 90, okay? If you're 90 years old already, I don't have anything for you here. I don't know what to tell you on this analogy. Sorry, you can sit this one out. I want you to picture yourself at age 90. And let's just start with what do you look like? Can you imagine your face, your body? Like what, what happens to you when you turn age 90? I actually decided I wanted to do a little experiment and see what Bill Stevens, my co-pastor, would look like at age 90. So uh, here's a picture of him uh, right now, right? I just got that off our website. Uh, And there's these really cool apps that you can download that uh, you can actually, uh, they'll take a picture and they'll they'll project what you're going to look like later in life. So I took Bill's little picture here. Look at Mr. Babyface. And I took him and I threw him into the app and this is what got spit out. There's Bill right? Oh man, the teeth, the starting to sag a little bit, like too many beer and nachos, I guess. Uh, you know, there's Bill at age 90. Go back to baby face Bill. There he is looking good. And there's Bill at age 90. Still got his hat on. Yeah. Um, can I just tell you what makes me so mad about Bill? There's a backstory to this. So I put his picture into the app and you can choose in the app how many years you want to add to his life. And so I put in, and Bill's, Bill's just about turned 50 this summer. I put him into the app and I add 20 years and like nothing happened. He looked exactly the same. And then I add 40 years. So now he's 90 and he looks the same. Do you guys realize that I had to add 100 years to Bill's life to get him to that? That's Bill at 150. Gosh, that guy he makes me so mad. Still got his hair. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm telling, if I put my picture into an app and added 100 years, I think they would just put up like a picture of a raisin with like little beady <laughs> eyes or something. Man, that guy makes me mad. More importantly than what you're going to look like at age 90, let me ask you this question. What kind of person are you going to be at age 90? Who, who's God going to shape you into by age 90? Who will we become by the time that we are 90 years old? 
Here's, here's how I want to start the series. Just, I actually I believe this so much, you guys. I actually think the Holy Spirit, God's Spirit, has big plans for you. I think there's actually big plans for the person that you're going to become at age 90. Here's also what I fully believe. You won't get there by accident. Nobody, nobody drifts into being the person that God wants them to be. Now, it's going to take some effort. It might even take some moments where the truth is going to hurt in order to help get us there. Uh, I have a friend and a mentor who has this little saying that I just love, and I've mentioned it in here before, but his little saying is, the greatest gift that you can give to God is the person that you will become. It's an incredible gift. And you think about who we're going to become by age 90. That's, that's a gift to God because God really, I, I know, wants to use us, wants to use you in the world for what he's up to. And in order to do that, can, can we, could we these next five weeks, as we look at this series, can we start to think maybe in a different way than we ever have before about allowing God into our souls to shift the person that we are now and who we're going to become. You know, I, I think about myself at age 90. <laughs> Here, can I show you what I'm afraid of? Oh, this is what I'm afraid of. <laughs> I have the potential to be this, you guys. Ask my kids. I, 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 could, I could totally end up here. And if you've spent any time in a church or around church life, you've probably run into this a lot. And man, this is my natural inclination. What, I, what I'm hoping and praying is these next few weeks, we actually move in a different direction. We get a vision for what we could become, for who God could turn us into being. All of us probably have been around somebody maybe in their 80s or 90s who you just go, wow, so graceful, so loving, so gentle, so humble. That doesn't happen by accident. I want to invite you these next few weeks, we look at some of the tough words of Jesus, to let them kind of come into your soul and allow that to move you into being somebody new. And I think there's a lot of things working against us in order to go this direction. Uh, I'm going <laughs> to talk about something that I'm going to make some of you mad. And I'm going to criticize something that I think a lot of us, me included, probably hold dear. Um, and and you got to know, so there's um, hundreds of years ago, the church came up with some statements to try to define exactly what we believe, right? They were taking a look at the scripture, and there's a lot of different things. A lot of people, different people were believing. And they came up with some statements that tried to really say, this is what we hold to be true. And they're, some of you guys know, they're called the creeds, some creeds. Uh, one of them is the Nicene Creed, very famous creed. Another one, the most famous creed, a bunch of you guys would know, probably have said before in different church settings, is what's called the Apostles' Creed. I actually think there is something in the Apostles' Creed that I'm going to show you here in a second that works against us, that actually um, 
is symptomatic of the problem that we have in becoming the people that God has called us to be and, and moving into what it means to be more like Jesus with our lives every day. There's a problem with the Apostles' Creed. Now, before you all run off and go to Flatirons next week, listen to me for a second, okay? Um, I'm open to being wrong on this. Anytime I say something up here, you do not have to agree with me. Uh, I welcome you telling me that you disagree with something. So if I criticize something that you hold dear, let me know. I, I, I am super open that you can email me anytime. In fact, I'm going to put my email address up there. Just email me <laughs> and say something as angry as you can be. And let's put some wrinkles on that little baby face guy, all right? Send him an angry email. Uh, let, me, let me show you the Apostles' Creed, and I want you to pick up on what's missing here. Here's, here. Some of you recited this, all that stuff. Let me show it to you. It says this. It says, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of, of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church. By the way, when you see that, when it says Catholic Church, it doesn't mean like Roman Catholic. Catholic's a word that means like universal, like around the globe. Uh, that's what that idea means, Catholic Church. The communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. It's beautiful. Beautiful statement. A lot of us growing up saying that. You've said it in churches maybe perhaps if you have a church history. There is something about this statement that so misses the mark though that I think leads us into a kind of life with God that is lacking so severely that we can end up going down a road that moves us away from who God wants us to be in the long run instead of closer. Can I show it to you? Here you go. We're going we're gonna to dial in a little closer. Here's the statement. It says, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and married. There's something missing here. What do you see that's missing? You guys notice anything missing out of that, this little part right here? Just shout it out if you see it. His life. I don't know who you are, but mwah, thank you. What about his life? We missed Jesus' life in the defining statement of what we believe. For a Christian, like the Apostles' Creed is like this huge thing. And somehow he was born and he died. And we missed the 33 years that Jesus walked with us, taught with us, healed people. Guys, the last words Jesus said were, you know, go out into all the world and baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then what did he say? And teach them to obey everything that I have commanded. This is like the last thing he said. One of the most important things he said. And it's gone. We missed it. Guys, you could conclude, and I think some of us do as Christians, you could conclude reading this statement that God came to earth, right? We get Christmas, and then he died. For us, we get Easter and we get nothing else. We miss out on the life that God has called us to do. We miss out on that daily 
walk with Jesus that, as, as the scripture says, man, in Romans 8, it says to be changed into the image of Jesus Christ, to be conformed into his likeness. Man, it'd be like saying the I do's when you're married and then just kind of blowing off the rest of your marriage. This, this is what this kind of thinking can lead to. I remember as a kid, I remember as a kid thinking, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to live my whole life kind of doing whatever the heck I want. And then when I'm on my deathbed, I'm going to pray a prayer. And I'm going to ask God for forgiveness for all the stuff I did. And then I get to go to heaven. Like that was my thought. That's, that's the thought I think some of us had. Maybe, maybe when we're a kid, we go off to camp and we say a prayer. We accept Jesus into our lives. And then we just like, that's it. We go about just doing whatever the heck it is that we care to do. We miss out on his life and his teaching that transforms us into the person that God is calling us to be. I actually think this is a huge issue. When, when you look at the way that people, and for probably a lot of us in this room, right, maybe you've come and somebody's brought you and you wouldn't say, I'm not sure I'm a Christian or you're on the fence. And you look at it, and maybe part of the reason that you would say, I don't know that I want to be a Christian, is you look at the lives of Christians, and you think, if that's what Christianity gets me, is to be a grouchy old Christian after 90 years, then I don't know that I want that. Because it's, it's actually a serious thing for us to approach this and go, man, if we call ourselves a Christian, we call ourselves following Jesus to say, what does it look like daily, every day, for us to take a step back and say, Spirit, you have big plans for me. Would you start to shape me into the person that you're calling me to be at age 90? Greatest gift we can give back to God, and frankly, the greatest gift that we can give to the people who are around us as well, is to become the person that Jesus is calling us to be. Man. So, I think this idea that somehow we omit Jesus' life and, and be shaped in the person God wants us to be is so, like, if, if you could go back and talk to some of the people who wrote the Bible, they would be, like, scratching their heads going, what in the world? How did, how did that idea get out there that we would miss Jesus' life and teaching? They would be baffled. Look, look at... Um, Look at some of the words that you get from Paul. Paul wrote a lot of the New Testament. He wrote a letter to a, town, a little church in a town called Ephesus, called, and the book's called Ephesians. Let me show you some of what he says here. I could show you a million passages like this, by the way. But look at this. He says, since you've heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Right? This, this old life, that we've lived, we're gonna, he's saying, we're going to move past that. We're going to move into a new kind of life. Nobody drifts toward being the person God wants them to be. We're going to have to intentionally make a decision to move in that direction. Instead, let the Spirit, who has big plans for you, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes, change you, put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Man, am I a long ways from this. Eesh. But the idea, you guys get there, right? How, how could I daily allow us to move that direction? Now, let's just stop for a second. 
We're making an assumption in this series that we actually want this. I think a passage like this is a good thing to take a step and go, do I want this? Am I, do I want God to transform me into somebody new? Do I believe He can? And am I willing to maybe go through some of the, ooh, I, you guys know, if you look at your life when you've grown the most, a lot of it comes through some hard things, some pain. That's what it's going to take, I think, to move in this direction. But man, the end result is such a beautiful thing. And I've seen it in people that are a lot further along than I am. Like, wow. Look, look what else Paul said. Here's some other ones. This is from Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Let God transform you into a new person. There it is again. By changing the way you think. And this is ongoing. This isn't a, like I say a prayer and that's it. No, this is, this is a continual transformation that God's inviting us into. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing, and perfect. What happens when the Spirit gets a hold of a life? Look at, look at Galatians 5. This is what it says. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. You invite the Spirit into your heart. Here's what happens. You'll see love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Get a vision Get a vision right now for you at age 90 with that in your life. Man, what if we work to that day after day, inviting God's Spirit to shift us and change us into something that looks like that? Let me, let me pause for a second. Bill and I had a good chat about this before this series. Here, here was our fear with the series. We talk so much, and rightfully so, just about the grace of God. The incredible idea that God has given it all for us. God calls us sons and daughters. What? I mean, it's a mind-blowing thing that God has adopted us into his family. But what, so, so what we're not saying is, now we've got to work and do all these things to make sure that God loves us. Okay? That undermines the whole message. That's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, because you've been called into that, because God's adopted you into his family, so we get the incredible privilege to try to now become the person that God is calling us to be. It's not an earning thing. I am so, for some of us, some of you guys, some of you guys I'll bet grew up in families where you did feel like you had to earn the love of your parent. And that has carried over into your view of God. And that's a, that's a hard one to work through. That's not what we're talking about here, okay? God, Jesus Christ has died for us. Now it's like, okay, God, now move us. Move us to be who you want to be. <laughs> so how many thousands of dollars? I think it's actually millions. It might be billions of dollars that Americans spend on people to coach us to become a different person, whether that's like sports or music or what, think how much money I've spent, right, on people to tell us things about ourselves that aren't good so that we can get better. And yet when it comes to our life and who we're becoming as a person, we're like, ooh, don't go there. No, we want to allow the Spirit to move us these next few weeks. We're going to drop as much defensiveness as we can and invite God in to change who we are. I want to show you a little idea here. This is kind of what I'm hoping happens for us. 
uh, over these next few weeks. I want you to picture like this is us. This is a kind of little paradigm for how we might be able to change. And, and I, I'll be shocked actually if we don't pray this idea of God allow the spirit to change us and if it doesn't happen. Okay? I think it, you give this 40 days, these next 40 days, more than you ever have before, and let's see what happens. What I'm, what I'm suggesting is we say we put God's spirit right in the center and we say that the spirit's the one that's going to shift us. You, you read in the Bible, like John 16, it's so clear. Part of what the spirit does is the spirit gets in our soul and starts to point out things and moves us toward being like Jesus. That's, that's part of the spirit's job. But the spirit doesn't do that unless our hearts are willing to invite him to do that. It doesn't force his way in. It's not his style. The spirit will wait. The spirit comes into a willing heart. The first question to ask is, am I willing? Am I willing to hear what Jesus might say? Am I willing to hear what others might say about who I am and invite the spirit to change my heart? Okay? The other element is, this is good, guys. I worked on this so hard. You know what that is? That's the Bible. If our hearts are open to the Spirit, and we're also willing to listen to the words of the Scripture, we're willing to look at some of these things. I'm going to read a couple zingers at you here in a second that Jesus said. We're willing to listen to those and not just go, oh, done. But say, okay, talk to me. What, What does that mean? How can that change who I am? If we're willing to listen to the Scripture, that's huge. And then the last element is nobody... Nobody changes unless they're a part of community with other people. Even that passage, like when we read uh, Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, all those things get played out with other people. The fruit of the Spirit enables your interactions with different people to change. You don't love in isolation by definition. You love in community. You're kind not just to yourself. You're kind in community. uh, To really get shaped and change into the people God wants us to be at age 90. We're going to need our hearts to invite the Spirit to shift us. We're going to listen to the Scripture these next few weeks, hear the hard things Jesus has to say, and we're going to do that in community with other people. And just so you know, like our church is so committed and increasingly so over this next year to find your people. Find the people that are going to tell us the truth. Find the people that we can confide in that we're going to be shifted with in our faith. That's huge. Those, those elements are what we're hoping and praying for as we go forward. But this, this looks nice and neat on my beautiful, clean, new sheet of pad of paper that I have up here. This isn't nice and neat. This is going to be messy. This is going to be really challenging at times because we're messy people. And we do things that... And so this is going to have its moments of challenge for sure. Um... Let me show you what I mean. I'll tell you a gross story. So I lived in California for six years uh, and before we moved out here to start Ascent. And it's more humid there. For those of you who have lived in California, you know this. And I noticed something after living in California for about three or four years that was like really disturbing. I'm, I'm in California and all of a sudden I can't hear anyone. So my... Um, I, like people would talk to me and I'm like, what? I, I'm having to ask people to repeat themselves all the time and 
I started getting worried. I was like in my mid-30s, and I'm like, I should not be losing my hearing. And you can ask my wife, Karen, I never go to the doctor. So it takes, if I get sick, I'm like four weeks minimum before I'll even like go down to see the doctor. I just, no, don't, it's just not how I go. So you guys, I couldn't hear people. I went to the doctor. I mean, this is like a big deal. So I go into the doctor and we're living really close to the Stanford campus. So all these doctors are really good. They're like Stanford trained, you know, all this stuff. I go in and I see my doctor and she, um, she grabs, what's that little thing with a little light on the end, you know? She, she starts, like, peering into my ear, and she, she looks into my ear, and she goes, oh! <laughs> Look, if you're here and you're a doctor, Dan Bussey, don't do that, okay? This is not a good way to go about diagnosing someone was, oh! Don't do that. Don't do that. So she looks in my ear, oh! And she goes, um, I think I might know why you're not hearing people. Okay, tell me what. You have a um, significant earwax buildup. Okay. Do I just need to use some Q-tips a little bit more? No, it's going to take a little bit more than that. Okay, like what? She pulls out this device. It's got like a pump on it, and it's got a tube out of it. And she takes this tube, and she hooks it up into my ear, she fills this device thing with water, and she just starts pumping, okay? Have any of you ever had this done? Oh, I'm the only one. Okay. All right. All right. I'm embarrassed now. So she's like, boom, 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 pumping water into my ear. I guarantee you somebody's had this done. She's pumping water into my ear, and it feels like the water is like slamming right into my brain, right? Boom, boom painful stuff, just, oh, I'm like, uh, the whole time she's doing it. Somehow she gets out this, like, little tray thing. You guys, the stuff that came out. I look in this tray, and there's, like, golf ball size pieces of earwax in this tray, and I'm like, oh, like, did that come out of me? She's like, oh, yeah, boom, boom, boom. She just keeps going. She hooks up the next ear, oh, like, just keeps pumping. I could not believe what was inside me. I walk out of the office, the doctor's office, and I go outside, and I hear birds <laughs> chirping. I'm like, oh, I'm in California. This is incredible. It was like a new day had dawned. I'm like hearing people again, and just incredible. And it hurt so bad. It was so worth it. Man, what if we let the words of Jesus be that tube that we hooked up to our soul? Let him, let him go. It's going to be painful. But we're going to let him clean that stuff off our souls. If we want to be the kind of people that Jesus called us to be, it's not going to come without some kind of pain like that. Because he had some stuff to say that was like, woo. Can I show you a couple? Let me show you a couple. I, it didn't take me long reading on this to run into some things that Jesus said. I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, I started reading one of Jesus' most famous sermons. He, uh, Matthew's chapter 5 through 7. You get uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And he says some stuff in there that you're like, ouch. Can I show you a couple? Check this out. This is Matthew 5. It says, if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust... 
gouge it out. Gouge your eye out. Well, okay. Gouge your eye out and throw it away. Better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Oh. Okay. This is what I'm talking about right here. Before we get the defenses up, I'm hoping that, again, these next few weeks, like, okay, what do you mean, Jesus? Let that tube stay there. Let him pump away. Let's, let's see what he says here. If your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off. Throw it away. Better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. Whew. That's a tough saying. Check, check this one out. This is from Luke 14. We, we could keep going, too, on this. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such person cannot be my disciple, my follower. Wow. Does that one seem harsh? We're going to actually tackle this one next week. But before we get defensive on the things he says, and he, he, Jesus will bring it over and over again. Let him. Let him in there. Let him. Let this soak into your soul, and let's see where it goes these next few weeks. Here's one uh, that I ran across that I want to share a little bit of how just this concept with a scripture can actually start to go to work on your soul. I was reading this, and I this one stuck out to me. It was this from Matthew five as well? It says this: You've heard it was said. Love your neighbor and hate your enemy. The, the idea back then was I love everybody that loves me and I hate everybody else. Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Jesus is going to redefine that idea. You've heard it was said, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you, who are against you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. In other words, this is how God rolls. And Jesus is inviting you to be a child of the one that you're from, that you're going to act like your father, that this is how he rolls and does it. So Jesus is saying, I want you to actually pray for the people who don't like you. I don't know about you, but I read that passage. The first thing I start thinking about is people. Can I really pray for that person who's hurt me? Could I actually get to a spot for that person who's harmed me that I would pray in such a way that my heart would be open to the Spirit in a way to invite in His work in my life. I'm thinking about this, and it was uh, probably, I don't know, maybe a day or two later, I am out in the car, and I was stewing about something. You guys ever been on a drive where you're just angry drive? driving along and I'm mad at something. I can't remember what it was. Probably Bill's baby face or something, you know, and I'm like furious. And I'm driving along and I'm going down into uh, Boulder and I'm going to pick up my kids at the theater down at 29th Street. So I'm driving in on Arapahoe. I'm mad at somebody. I just remember being mad and I remember not praying or involving God in any way. Just uh, mad. So I get down there. I take a right onto 30th. And then I am at that intersection where you take a left right behind Home Depot into where the theater is. Getting ready to take a left, and I'm noticing there's cars coming the opposite direction. And I'm going to have to turn fast if I'm going to beat these cars. But, you know, why wait? So I, I, I take a left, and I'm trying to get across in front of these cars. And as I'm going across the intersection, 
this woman, college-age woman, steps off the sidewalk into the intersection and starts to walk right in front of where I was supposed to go. Okay, I'm trying to beat these cars. Now, just stop and think for a second whose fault this is, for those of you who might know anything about traffic laws. All right, don't think about that. Okay. So I come across, I slam on my brakes because I was just about to hit her. These cars are coming the opposite direction. She looks at me and she does this. <laughs> right? She gives me that. <laughs> oh, man, I'm so mad. The cars all stop. She's doing this in front of me. I look at her, man, with my pastoral heart. <laughs> and I go, Arr! I just lay on the horn. Arr! And I'm just like staring at her the whole way. She's walking. Arr! I'm a pastor. You should come to my church. Arr! Just on it. You know what actually kind of woke me up is I saw like a glint of fear in her eyes. I went, oh gosh, what am I doing? Well, she gets by. I'm on the horn. I drive off. The cars keep moving. And I, I go like 50 yards. I'm like, can you believe her? And it suddenly hits me. What are you doing? And, and I stopped for a second. I went, Lord, what just happened inside of me? My goodness, can I I give you a little tip? As you go through this process, and I actually really, I'm I'm praying that these next 40 days, you take this like really seriously. Here's one thing I want to ask you to do. Anytime these next 40 days, you sense in your heart anger, defensiveness, fear, sadness, or even some kind of like great joy, if it, you experience some sort of emotion that causes tears, causes joy, causes something inside you, stop right there. Stop and go, okay, spirit, what's going on? I can almost guarantee you that there is something far deeper going on in your soul at that moment than what is immediately obvious. This had nothing to do with this woman. This had nothing to do with her. I go on. The, the one little thing I did well was make that prayer. Okay, God, what just happened? The next day or a couple days later, uh, sitting around the house and my wife Karen says to me, hey, I just listened to this podcast and I heard something that totally stuck with me. Said, okay, what is it? I was listening to this podcast where this guy named Richard Rohr, who some of you might be familiar with him, Richard Rohr was on the podcast, and he said something that totally hit me. I said, what is it? She goes, listen to this statement, and I want you to see it. Here it is. If you don't transform your suffering, you will transmit it. You don't transform your suffering, you will transmit it. You guys, it was like... That moment just nailed me. I'm sitting in my car, stewing at something. I am not talking to God in the slightest, but I'm angry. I'm not transforming my suffering. And the second somebody gets in my path, they get it from me. I, tr- I take that suffering inside me and I give it to them instead. I transmit it over. 
instead of working with God to change who I am, boom, comes out on somebody else. I just started thinking, how many times do we do that? How many times do we do that with our spouse, with our kids? How many times do we transmit that on our friends? How many times do we transmit that on our roommate? All the while, somebody's taking a beating. There is something deeper involved going on there. And I just started thinking back to that scripture, love your enemies. And it was like God saying to me, Jim, not only are you not loving your enemies, you're creating new ones. You will create new ones if you don't take this seriously. Look, I use this as an example. I'm using this as an example to say, in this story, it's like, again, the one thing I did okay here was say, okay, God, what is going on there? The Scripture's saying, love your enemies. My wife is saying, look at this thing I saw from Richard Rohr. And the Spirit then jumps in and starts to go, I'm going to shape you. I'm going to change you. I'm going to take that and craft you into looking more like the image of Christ and move you toward who you are meant to be when you're age 90. The 90-year-old Jim is better off for that whole thing. Guys, that story to me, that's not coincidence. This isn't like self-help stuff. This is, I think, God's spirit at work, and you see this in your life, and I'm praying, and we're going to pray here in a second, that these next 40 days, more than ever before in your life, you will start to pray that prayer to let God's Spirit shift you into the person that we are called to be, man, because it is a beautiful thing. So God, we want to invite that as hard as it is. We're going to look, God, at these things that, uh, that Jesus said, and I pray, God, so much for us that we would be a community that can come with open hands, with defenses down, to look at what is happening in our lives and to say, God, there's a purpose for how you want to shape us into the people that you plan for us to be. You have big plans for us, God. Your spirit has big plans for us. God, the people in this room I know are amazing people that you have huge plans for. These next 40 days, God, would you move us toward that? Would you allow us to trust that your spirit is going to work and that we could be shaped into a new kind of person? Uh, So, God, we trust you, and we love you, and we invite this in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen.